On today's episode, we're talking about innovation in college athletics. From Engagement, I'm David Millay, and this is Flip the Switch. Quick plug before we get to our guest introduction today. If you're focused on guest experience or employee experience, definitely go check out our email newsletter. As we work with pro teams and college athletic departments around the country, we're taking the lessons that we learn from our experiments and our projects, and we're putting those insights into the newsletter. A couple of times per week, you'll get everything from the articles and content that are inspiring us to innovate, as well as new tools that we're using and loving. If you get value from this show, you're going to love the newsletter. To sign up, head to engagementpartners.com backslash newsletter. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Flip the Switch, where we sit down with leaders in customer experience and employee experience, and we try to figure out what are the trends that they're paying attention to? What are the experiments that they're running? What are the principles that have driven success in their careers? And then we try to take those insights and apply them to the world of sports and entertainment. Now, if you're a loyal listener, you know that right now we're kind of doing a run on college leaders, highlighting some of the most innovative thinkers in the industry. And the reason why we're doing that is because at Engagement, we do a lot of work with college athletic departments around, go figure, customer experience, employee experience, and innovation. So as we are doing this work, a we oftentimes come across some of these leaders that are really, really strong. And, and so we just had a desire to highlight some of those leaders. And that's what today's episode is. So with us today, we've got Michael Thompson, the Deputy Athletic Director at Texas A&M. Now, Michael got there in October of 2019. And so when we think about some of the impact that he's been able to have, it's somewhat limited because we were in COVID. And when you think about Michael's role, he really specializes in data, customer experience, revenue generation. And so with a lot of that on pause over the last 18 months, uh, it's really been about planning and making changes for this upcoming season that's going to start here in a few weeks. And that's obviously what we talk a lot about in this episode is changes that are coming to Kyle Field and innovative new things that they're doing. Uh, to give Michael a little bit of credibility uh, and back up uh, kind of his creds, if you will, uh, I'm going to read a quote from Ross Bjork, Texas A&M's athletic director that brought Michael into the picture. Here it is. Michael has developed a trend-setting portfolio of work during his time in the private sector and at Ole Miss, and he's viewed as one of the very best thought leaders in college athletics. His open mind and his creativity to explore new external relations strategies led to record-breaking engagement in Oxford at Ole Miss, and I'm thrilled that we could recruit him to join our leadership team here at Texas A&M. We already have tremendous content and fan engagement platforms in place, and with Michael's vision, we can go from very good to great. That's a lot about what this episode is, is saying how do you not rest on your laurels, and how do you continually try to get better as an organization? And that is what Michael does so well, is constantly thinking about it's not about what we're doing against our peers. It's not about looking across the industry and saying, oh, we're better than them so we can be good with where we're at. It's about waking up every day and saying, how can we make this business a little bit better? And we're going to talk a lot about those different things that they're using at Texas A&M, some of the frameworks that Michael uses to think about getting better. We're going to get into that here in the episode. Um, so a little bit more on, on Michael's background. Uh, 
throughout the industry, he's been known for moving the needle. Uh, in 2019, Michael's team at Ole Miss was honored with the NACTA 2019 Technology Innovation Award. Uh, they He's been a, a key member of the SEC's Fan Experience Working Group and working with the leadership of the conference around research uh, and surveying and data collection. So again, we're going to get all of those topics going in this conversation. A uh, little bit more context for the conversation itself. Uh, I don't know how the sound is going to turn out. Hopefully it's good. But we were recording the episode in Michael's office, and it was comical, and we'll talk about it. We were spread out on the other side of the room. We had cords going everywhere, and we were basically like yelling at each other trying to do this episode. Uh, but we were in town doing some customer service training with Texas A&M, getting all their 800-plus frontline staff ready for the season to start. Um, so if you're interested in kind of some of that work that we were doing from a customer service perspective with Texas A&M, feel free to give us a call, message me on Twitter at david.malay. Feel free to DM me there uh, and we can talk more about what that looked like uh, and how we might be able to help you guys. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode with Michael. This episode is not about customer service per se. It's much more about innovation, getting better, not resting on your laurels. Uh, it's about technology, data, so we're going to get into all those things. Let's just do it. Here's this episode with Michael Thompson. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. It is, uh, we're in person in Michael's office right now. We have the weirdest setup. And at some point, somebody needs, we need to take a picture of this. We, we have like cords stretched completely across the room. <laughs> we're not anywhere. In, we're definitely social distancing right but now. But not, not because of that. This, we're not. This is funny. Like you, a picture would make it feel like okay, we're practicing good COVID protocols. It's actually more of a technical issue that we're. We just don't want the mics to pick up on yeah, each other. Exactly. So. We're still learning this part. Anyway, well, let's get into this yeah. uh, this episode with you. Uh, you are definitely, in my mind, one of the best innovators in college athletics. Constantly trying out new things, experimenting with different things. I think a lot of people in the industry look to you to say, from a customer experience perspective, from a business intelligence perspective. What are things we should be thinking about? So the, we're going to cover a lot of that today, but I got to start us off. We got fans coming back. We're packing the house at Kyle Field in a couple of weeks. What's new for football season that you're excited about? Well, I mean, full capacity is, is for sure. I mean, we're going to have, I mean, even for a home or home opener non-conference game against Kent State, I mean, we're we're anticipating six figures. I mean, we're, we're we should have a hundred thousand plus, and it's uh, that's something that I haven't even really experienced here yet. Because I started in late, late November of 19. And the last two games for A&M that year were on the road. So I missed those. I mean, I went to those, but didn't but yeah. didn't get to experience it here. And last year was such a, a strange season for all the obvious reasons. But we were at a limited capacity. And it still felt really loud. Like, it was still, like, still impressive. You heard, you know, Mullen talk about it uh, after the uh, when we beat them here. Um, just the atmosphere here, even at a limited capacity. But the biggest difference um, will be, you know, 100,000 people here. I mean, which is going to be incredible. Um, and then, you know, we have a lot of different things that we're, that we're um, working through for the fan experience. I'd say the, the lion's share of them are around concessions and food and beverage. Mm. Tell me and, more. And, yeah, I mean, the, uh, the biggest thing we're doing is we've, we've, we're basically flipping all of the uh, fountain machines, we're spinning them around. So they're all going to be facing the fans, um, which is, which then it's free refills, self-service, 
Um, so is that, had, is that literally all you did? You just flipped the machines? I around? wish it were that easy. <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought it was going to be that easy, but no, it was it was uh, a little bit more difficult and a little bit more of an investment. But uh, we had to do some. We had to retrofit some um, some countertops. We brought in new fountains from Pepsi, um, and the reason why we had to bring in the new fountains because they needed ice makers on top. So, which is all these like little, little, uh, the domino effect of, of, of like how ice is distributed into the cups, you know, like now somebody scoops it and then fountains it. And you can't do that when you're doing self-serve. It needs to be come out of a chute. Oh, yeah. So it's like a little, little tweak, but that was a big ticket item because you're putting in, you know, you got to bring in ice makers for every single fountain. And they install on top, and then it, you put your cup there, and it falls down. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. as opposed to a human being scooping it out and then fountain. But that that investment should pay off relatively <clears throat> quickly with a reduction in labor force that you need to serve those quicker lines, so you get more throughput and more people in spending money. For for an initiative like that, where there was a spend that obviously you could say, hey, it's for the customer experience. Right? Did you have to put together a pro forma to say, hey, here's how we think? we'll think about making our money back on this investment or how did you guys go through that decision of let's, let's make this self-service decision. I think in a typical year you, you probably would, but the, one of the catalysts that really got us uh, trying to think creatively was the staffing issue, like the temporary staff. So, so on a game day, we could have thousands of people working here that are either volunteers or hourly workers that don't, they don't even really truly report to us. Right. Yeah. Um, they work for one of the companies, one of our partner companies that, um, brings those in. So it could be Levy, it could be best. But the idea is you look around the country right now, that labor market is, is dried up. I mean, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's non-existent. And so you can, so you take that variable and then you compound it with, um, I heard a stat the other day that there are more events, there are more events booked for the back half of this calendar year than all of 2019 combined. Like, so, so like, so there's this really pent up demand for live events. And so typically, you know, on a, on a Friday night before a football game here, um, I mean, we'd be drawing temporary staff and labor from Houston, from other surrounding markets. But I mean, now there's so many events at anybody that can host an event in some of our larger Mm -hmm. markets, they're doing, and they're doing almost 365 days. I mean, starting now. So there's going to be so many different events. So that labor market was already shrinking and now it's just spread so thin across the different events that may be in their hometown. So they don't need to drive an hour to do this. They just do it in Houston. So that was a big part of it. So it was more like, Hey, we better, we better, um, we better get really creative really fast about how we solve that challenge or at least mitigate the, the, you know, the effects of that challenge. But then, you know, I mean, it's a, it's still a huge, uh, like from a fan fan perspective, there's something, there's a different feeling about when you are kind of in control of that experience. No question. And even if you're waiting in a line, if you're in line behind other fans just like you, you tend to be a little bit more lenient on like things taking longer. It's, it's, I mean, it's very subconscious, very psychological, but it's just a different, there's just a different kind of impatience in that. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. Have you ever been to the the bars that have like self-service beer and wine have you seen those i've seen one but i haven't been to one okay they're great but to your point yeah. there's a lot less pent-up anger because when you go to a game and people are taking forever you're like you, you want someone to blame but right. when you can see exactly oh it's just another fan like me you're probably a lot less likely to blame and i'm probably going to take as long as that person took to do yeah, that. and right. this person that's behind right. me is the same way 
but so yeah, and, and then it's just choice. I mean, being able to kind of any any time where we can find ways for the fan to kind of control their own experience. Hmm. I mean, that's just this kind of culture we leave, we live in now, mm-hmm. and um, and let them you know if they want to do half and half, I mean, go for it. I mean, my kid will probably go there, do the yeah. whole the whole deal. Um, and, and, you know, you would never ask a worker to do that, but it's, it's just, I don't know. There's just some yeah. element of control that, that seems to make us happy as human beings. I, I love that this talk about t- turning the, the, the guns or whatever they're, what are they called? The, the fountains, turning the fountains yeah. around, yeah. uh, has prompted all this conversation. But I mean, on the labor pool side of things, it, it's been brutal for us. I mean, we've run two hiring fairs this year and getting half of what we wanted and a quarter of what we needed right in some of these college towns it's a lot easier in a bigger market where we've definitely smashed numbers but when we've done it in a college town it's like you can't get you can't get anybody it's nobody really wants to do hard. it so you got to find creative ways like this to do it's it. it's hard and then unfortunately the ones you get are not at the same level as the ones that maybe you get in yeah. a bigger pool like yeah. you, you don't you can't afford to to whittle the list out. You know what I mean? Like you, so that's, that's the other part of it is you, you're going to have less workers and they may not even be as good as the ones that you used to have when you were right. full. Well, that's, and that's, what's interesting too, right? From our approach, I'm, you know, we're crafting the interview questions where it's very much like, all right, we've designed these behaviors. We've crafted yeah. these behaviors to be able to go out and deliver a uniquely Texas A&M experience. But then people show up and you're like, well, we can't really, I don't know right. if a person's really equipped to <laughs> deliver the Texas A&M yeah. per, experience, but we kind of need him. Yeah. Um, so that's that's where part of the challenge and the hard decisions have to get made. But that's why I think if you can look at some of these processes to mitigate that, that's a huge a huge step where you're saying you're not just throwing your hands up in the air. You're yeah. saying let's work on it. Um, what are what are some of the other things in the stadium that you guys or in the fan experience that you guys have looked at and said personalization, people choosing their own pathways of how they want to enjoy a day at Kyle Field is really important, even down to choosing what drinks they want at the fountain. What are some of the other things that you guys have leaned into to say, how can we personalize, how might we personalize this experience for the fan? You know, it's a little bit, they're all a little bit different. I think the more that we, the more that we get our official mobile app um, involved, I mean, because that opens up all kinds of new doors, I mean, for personalization. I mean, because you're, it's the second screen experience that's happening kind of in a live, in a live environment. Um, But eventually we want to be able to do things where, um, and this is, this is nothing new, but it's, it's, it would be new for us in terms of just seat upgrades and being able to, to in real time, um, look at your, look at your app and, and see if there's a seat somewhere else to be able to go over there. I mean, those are things that in the future that we'd want to do. Um, I, you know, back to the, 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 the original question this about the experience. The one thing I do, do want to note that's huge for us is that this is the, uh, 100th season of the 12th man. Right. So like from a fan experience standpoint, like it's going to be infused in so many of the different things that we're doing. Um, give me, give me some of those examples. Yeah. So like we have for each football game, we have a different, um, 12th man effect. So, so in what ways, cause the, what's so unique about a, um, uh, celebrating something like this, most of the time you're celebrating like on the field accomplishments or sport accomplishments. And this is the opposite. This is the actual everyone else. This is the fans. I mean, this is the this is what's so different. So so like making sure that we um, are constantly like pointing it back to them because that's I mean they they're what make this special. I mean it's it's the twelfth man. It's all of the people in the stands. Um, and so we have these we have these effects where we're we're looking back on history and where 
the twelfth man has had a a mm-hmm. noticeable impact on the game. Because the whole point is, and like this is what we do. I mean, this is what people in in, in my role do. It's like we want great atmospheres. Well, why do we want great atmospheres? Just so we can have great atmospheres? No, we want to give our teams advantages. I mean, they don't call it a home field advantage for nothing. And you can almost quantify it. I mean, you could say, you know, if you look at a if if, if you were a better, which I'm not, obviously, but I mean, you, you can see like like if you're playing certain places, the point spreads are different. Like it's, it's how ra- do you it's rare that you, you bet against the Saints at home? Well, yeah, it's rare. So why is that? And it's and it's not because of the building. It's not. It's it's because of the atmosphere. It's because of the energy. It's because of the. It's because they make, we make it tough to play there, and like that's what we're ultimately after. And so when you think about the centennial, I mean, and those effects, this is all about when the twelfth man like had an impact on the game, and it's been a lot. I mean, we had to. I mean, we had to really to get it to seven. I mean, we had to throw a lot of like incredible moments out. Um, and we'll and we'll we'll highlight them in other ways. I mean, that's the beauty of technology. But um, so we'll share those effects and and, and the ticket. Each, every ticket um, has that particular effect on it for that game, and it'll be a, a video there. And there's it, if there are people that are alive when it happens, we may do mm-hmm. some presentations, things like that, or honoring them. So we're trying to make it really um, kind of a, a theme for each game, which one for per per effect. So per per one of the seven effects. Um, and so that is going to be a lot of fun. So every game, what's cool about that is that every every home game will be have a different twist to it um, for the fans. So there's a little bit of surprise and delight that, that will happen in terms of what to expect, and um, that part will be cool. I mean, the, the can you can you give us any examples? Well, I mean, the first one we've 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 put out. I mean, we're doing um, the red, white, and blue game, which is a, a recreation of um, the first football game at Kyle after September 11, 2001. And so something pretty amazing happened um, after September 11th where, um, um, I mean, Coach Slocum was involved, but it was primarily student-led where in the span of just a few days, maybe 10 days, they had, uh, the students had organized um, the whole stadium in decks by color. So red, so if you were on the third deck, you were wearing a red shirt and they made these t-shirts and and they, I mean, they pulled this off in 10 days and the the imagery from that game is, I mean, it'll it'll take your breath away. It's so cool how many people did it. Like just about everybody did it. So it was an amazing experience. So, um, and we won the game. It was a, I mean, it was a really emotional, um, um, a game and moment just for our country and, and, and here. And what was, what most people don't realize is that, um, we have something called a Texas task force one here, which is, um, uh, they, they, it's part of, I mean, I can't remember exactly which department of the government it is, but essentially it's, it's, um, it's run by Texas A&M and the engineering school. And, um, we, after September 11th, two, 2001, um, they kind of mobilized and took, uh, 20, 30, 40 Texans, like from mm-hmm. here up to New York to, to pick up, I mean, to clean up and wow. defy, I mean, wow. and we're up there for, you know, weeks. Um, and so we'll, we're, we're bringing them back. Oh, at, oh so it's going to be like, okay, like, so a little really, like that. yeah, like where it's all kind of tied in, um, together and, and, but it's just telling the story of, of the fans, telling yeah. the story of the 12th man and how just cool it is. I want to talk about this a little bit now. You just triggered something. This is not in any of the questions that no, we discussed ahead of time, but I think about all the different traditions that are here at Texas a and how do you, but I also think about your mind and the way it works constantly yeah. trying new things and wanting to innovate. How do you go about balancing this 
honoring traditions and heritage, but still evolving and innovating on a regular basis. How, how do you approach that balance and striking the chord with the fan base and some of the people that have worked here for a really long time? Yeah, I mean, you have to um, you have to be very strategic um, and not even careful. Careful, I was going to say careful. Careful is not the right word. You have to, and first you have to get here and like truly kind of immerse yourself in the culture and understand the traditions, yep. their origins, why they're traditions, why they're important. And, and, and you, you quickly realize that, it's, that we have so many traditions, but they all have this, they, they have a place, like they have a, they have a, um, they have a, they all play a different role in, in game day, just in, in overall life here. Um, um, and, and, but there's plenty of room in between all of them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a, and it's, it's different for me. I mean, that's a, we have so many that it almost looks like you might think from the outside that it fills up the canvas, but it doesn't. I mean, there's still tons, but there's all this room in between, um, in terms of, you know, creating things that then kind of protect those traditions, which is what you want. I mean, right. tradition here is what, um, is what really makes, Kyle Field and the twelfth man, so special. No question. So it is. It is a non-negotiable. It is a. It is sacred. So the the traditions are sacred here, as they should be, because it's actually how we got to mm -hmm. this point where we have this type of momentum. We have this type of, of of fan base, and that's what's I love about this place is the culture of the fan base is so different. Like it is, it is so so different, and and it is so awesome. Um, and so those are the things that built that. And so you protect them at all costs. Um, you find different ways to communicate them and you find different ways to tweak them, but you're really trying to work in between them and, and, hmm. and be innovative in the other spaces. There's no like, like technology is great because this stuff wasn't around when the, all of these traditions right. were born. So it, it has its own place between them and it has, its, you know, you just have to kind of play in those lanes. Yeah. Um, and in the end, it just makes the whole thing bigger and better, you know? hundred percent. I, I like that analogy of working in between them and using, even using technology to amplify some of them. Exactly. Um, I, I think about back when I, when we worked at Disney, I mean, that was a constant battle for us was trying to figure out like, okay, great. Everybody loves Mr. Toad's wild ride, but you think most millennials don't know who Mr. Toad is, let alone any Gen Z's. They want to see guardians of the galaxy yeah. and all the Marvel stuff. And, but the original people that, you know, their grandparents had taken them there as little kids and now they have grandkids of their own. They wanted Mr. Toad's little or Mr. Toad's wild ride. And so yeah. what do you do when you take that ride out? How do you communicate that? And I, you know, I think I, I'll, I'll go similarly to, right? Like for me as a Notre Dame grad for the longest time, the tradition, well, it was the tradition not to have a jumbotron. Right. Right. And I'm right, like, right. I hear what you're saying, but I went to the bathroom and I missed the game. Like I missed the, the touchdown. That's like right. the best play that we've ever had all season. Like, I want to see it on the Jumbotron. I don't want to have to wait till I get home. That's a dumb tradition. And, uh, and here's the thing. Is it even a tradition? That's the thing. Did it even have any? 100%. That's the thing. It's like. And that's what I was getting to. Is like, yeah. it's, so there are some things that I think oftentimes in athletics can be couched as tradition. Things we've always done. But it's really like, just something you've always done. That's exactly and it's not right. a tradition. And you, you can innovate on those things. You nailed it. Yeah. And so, yeah, when, when, when I got here and, and again, just fully tried to understand all of it you see just where all of these traditions the role they play and how deep they are and how rooted they are and like right. they they no offense to that particular tradition you talked about yeah but they have they have so much more just just depth 
and, and meaning right. and, and true action that comes from them. And so it's, so it, it is different. Yeah. But you're exactly right. There's a lot of things that are couched as a tradition, but they're really just because we've done it that way. Right. Yeah. Well, let's, when we're talking about innovation, I'm going to yeah. go into some, some hypotheticals here. All right. If money were no object, what would be the first and second things you'd invest in to deliver a better customer experience? You got infinite money. Infinite money. A specific project or two that you well, would Well, I mean, it's it's hot here. So I mean, I would probably look at something that was in the in the cooling department, whether it's, you know, now that's way out there. But I mean, I, I think- That's I, what we're looking for with this answer. Well, all right. Okay. I mean, yeah, you'd, every seat would have some sort of personal cooling device or cooling seat, you know, all that stuff. I mean, you have to kind of think about where you are. Yeah. Um, and and if, if I go, if I go out to Caulfield, if we walk out there right now, I mean, it's gonna be hot. I mean, it's just, it's gonna be hot. That's that's what it is. Um, and so, how do you make the how do you make the experience more comfortable? Um, that's that would be a key, and that would be one of the things that I'd probably do. Um, and then I think the other one is if, if money were no object. I mean, here's the thing, and I may have told you this about me already, but the one thing that just that that drives me crazy is seeing people in the concourse. You don't like seeing people no, in the concourse because they don't want to be in the concourse. They want to they. They came to watch the game. Okay. All right. Go get going to the restroom is just that's just a necessary evil. I mean, like, like sure. get, get, even getting sure. concessions and having to leave your seat to go get them yeah. is really just a necessary evil, right? Um, they they they're investing their dollars when they buy a season ticket and they make a donation, whatever. It's to see the game. Period. It's to be with their friends, their family, and experience seeing an amazing play and being able to kind of hard code that in your memory and it being like a um um just a, an ex something you experience together with friends and all that stuff but if it happens when you're in the concourse it doesn't feel the same it's almost like watching it on tv not quite you can still say i was there even yeah. if you really weren't out there but like to me the concourse is where um it's just a t it's just a waste of time for our fans like and so anytime there's lines it just drives me crazy so to answer the question i mean you, you, you'd have to figure out a way to have, you know, a ridiculously low, you know, ratio of, of, you know, points of sale to customers yep. and restrooms to customers. Because again, it's like, they want to be, they don't want to be here. They want to be out there. And even if they don't know that we, we need them to be out there. Cause that's where the atmosphere is. You can't create atmosphere from the concourse. You're creating it from the stands. So what about from like a food delivery perspective? Exactly. I know you've kind of probably explored some of those options and things. I mean, yeah, it's just so hard to do with at scale. It is it, yeah. with, with the scale, with, that especially with the scale at Kyle yes. Field. Yeah, that's at scale at, at Kyle. Um, and we, we tested it at baseball last year. We will do some of it here. We will yeah. do some of it at Kyle, but it will be in certain areas just because it goes back to that labor market issue Yep, is that's a, that's just another human being. Now, if you, make robot robots out of it or whatever. I mean, there's way down the road, there's probably some things like that. But the idea is the philosophy is let's, sp let's spend the least amount of time in the concourse as humanly possible. So what's your take on like social spaces when we think about those? Like, I, I mean, I know for me, when I go to a game, I feel like I rarely watch games anymore. I feel like I go for the bigger experience. But so is that, is that counterintuitive you know, or is I, that, I, is that I, tangential? To I don't know. I, I think people like you and me and, and others that work in this business it's are forever for changed, sure. for sure. are forever changed. And it, and it doesn't take long um, to, to kind of uh, recalibrate if you just walk out to any, any sporting event 
and just if you just stood and watched a section and just tried to really get get eyes on like maybe just a handful of people, there a lot of them watch the game. Like a lot of them are, are there for the for the game. Now every yeah. sport is different too. Yep. Every sport is different, and every mo every 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 part of the game is different. So like in football, you know the first quarter is have seen it be more intense. Second quarter can be a little bit more social. But depending on the game and who you're playing, the third and fourth quarter it typically reverts back to that intensity of life. For sure. Totally in the game. Yep. But you and I are jaded. I mean, we, <laughs> we, no question. That's no question. how we are. But most people are there to watch the game. But I still love the social atmosphere of it. Um, football is a great sport for it, too, because you do have play stoppages. Mm -hmm. It's really hard in basketball. Basketball is just a constant movement. Same with soccer. You Same never soccer. see anybody you in the Exactly. Exactly. And so football, football is maybe that's why it's such a popular sport, or one of the reasons because for us as humans, it has this, it has this nice tempo. It it, yeah. it has a nice tempo with these like little quick bites and a break, quick bites and a break. So perfect. Um, all right, another question here yeah. along the same lines: If you could experiment with one project and know no matter what, you were not going to get any negative blowback from it, fans, mm. internal leadership, what would you experiment with? Gosh, another another way to phrase this would be: What's something in your head that you think could be a good idea, but you're hesitant to even bring it up because you're like, you know, you're going to be met with immediate resistance from some party that you serve. I mean, oh, I don't know. I, I my my brain goes to like VR. Mm, okay. I mean, okay, but but how it's how it's done. I mean. I, th I think what what we're all craving in this with this kind of instant gratification world and this digital world, um, we want we want to see behind the curtain, like really want to see behind the curtain, and that's why we try to produce shows like The Pulse and and things like that that that, that give viewers a look behind the curtain. But if you could put on VR and you could be in a huddle and you could hear what's happening and 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 be like feel like you're there like that that's like the most immersive experience ever now has tons of issues with it right I mean, 100%. That's, that's the whole it's point. crazy that we still haven't it hasn't been normalized yet i know i mean i think part of that is because facebook and amazon and everybody buys up all the fledgling vr companies and, and then uses their engineers on other things but that's a whole other rant it's for a whole other rant but yes it would probably be to answer the question you'd probably be somewhere in the vr space and it would be a very, very intense behind the scenes, like locker room type experience. Love it. So on, on that note, what are some trends in the industry? Maybe not college athletics, yeah. but pro sports, uh, other, maybe it's entertainment from a concert perspective. What are some trends? What's one trend in the sports and entertainment industry that you're keeping an eye on? Um. Well, I think NFTs and, and, and the blockchain, I mean, that's yeah. definitely one that is is something that, that we've been talking about. Have you guys, have you guys about. done anything here yet? We haven't done an NFT. I mean, we've been, I mean, we've, we've just kind of gone down the road, you know, trying to understand the, mm -hmm. the players and, and all that but stuff. But, but even years ago, we were talking about, you know, um, tickets on the blockchain and being able to really identify um, who uh, who's using the tickets and, and having that, that, you know, that... Uh, knowledge once a ticket is transferred, but like truly knowing where that ticket is and how it's being used, like like that yeah. exact ticket. And so I, I think that that's that's definitely something. But I think we're, I mean, unfortunately, I think we're we're further away from that than than maybe we think. 
um, just because it's a huge cruise ship. I mean, like it's like oh so hard to turn. Like, and some of these things are very ingrained. Um, but that's one. I, I will say that on the on the concert side, one of the things that and this isn't that new, but I've I've loved seeing how they've used like RFID technology and lights. Like that's like a, with Q audio. Oh, it's so cool. Things. We're Do doing Q here. Yeah. yeah, they're great. Doing Q here, but and and like using the phone is really cool. But like you look at like I was I was watching a documentary the other day about Coldplay, and like they were showing from uh, the one of their last tours it was like the something color tour, but. But I mean, like the what they could do with those wristbands that every single person in these stadiums is wearing and yeah. do simultaneously without a single bit of lag was breathtaking. Like, yeah. it, and so, and if you put yourself there, like that must be insane to kind of be in the middle of that and just the feelings, the emotions, all that stuff. I mean, that's unforgettable. You know, it, so there's something there. I don't know how you do it in, in sports, but it's it, it could come. But you know, Q Audio is interesting, right? I, I think Charles Charles from our team who yeah. leads our enterprise solutions business, where we're we're helping schools and properties find new technologies to solve problems. I know he's talked with them a bunch because I think from an you know one of the main struggles of in person events, whether no matter what it is, is you can get the same experience, if not better, at home. Yeah. And so how do you differentiate that experience and create something that people can only get live? And I think when you start to factor in a technology like Q audio, now you're really starting to, to differentiate and you can't do that at home. Right. That's exactly right. Um, and that's all we're doing. It's all look, that's a lot all of all we're trying to do yeah. here. I mean, because we, 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 the, the home experience is incredible and we'll keep getting incredible because it's, it's cause it's yours and you make it. And it's like, you make whatever kind of beer you want, whatever kind of food you want, wherever you want to park whatever temperature you want the room to be in, however, you know, you can pause it when you want to pause it. Yep. Total control. Whereas here and in these environments, we, we've, we have lost some of that. I'd say it's just as awesome of an experience. It's just totally different. Yep. Um, well, so what are, when you're talking with your team and you're issuing them challenges right now, what are some of the challenges and questions that you're asking your team of your team uh, over the next 12 months? I'll tell you one of the things that, that we are trying to, to break the code, crack the code on right now is, um, and I haven't seen anybody else do it. And maybe you can tell me that somebody else is doing it and we don't have to crack the code anymore. <laughs> uh, but, but this idea of, of season ticket usage. Oh yeah. And, and it's a I, fun one. I know I, it's so, but it's, it, again, it goes back to something I said earlier, like atmosphere, the main ingredient in atmosphere, like you, the, the one ingredient you cannot do without are people. Like mm -hmm. you gotta have, people and you got to have a lot of them so you have to have like you have to have seats that are filled and you have to have the right seats filled in the right spots like where sound projects where where it can actually help you know I mean, you don't want your lower level to be completely empty your upper level to be full like it's got to be the right the right number of people in the right places and so and you think about season ticket sales um you're buying you know the the, the best seats the closest seats to the first ones to get sold but you're also asking someone to commit to like for, for baseball, for basketball, a really long season, right? I mean, like a lot of games. So there's yeah. game fatigue. And I don't think that anyone, I don't, I, maybe there's a handful of, on, on, of outliers, but when you buy a basketball season, ticket, a season ticket or a baseball season ticket or, or anything that's got more than 15 games or so, no one in their right mind is anticipating them attending all of them. No 100%. one, no one. I mean, and, and they don't Tuesday care. night versus yeah, an Tuesday out of night, conference opponent. Yeah, yeah. So plus every single one of them, we're producing and putting on television, like right. whether it's through an app or, you know, or you can watch it on your phone, your Apple TV, whatever. But so 
how do we how do we make sure and that's okay they're not gonna we're not saying hey come to every game you know we're saying hey for the ones you can't come to can we can we do some of these right, like, right. we don't even want to resell them i don't even care about reselling it's about putting a fan in that seat and it's, so it's another voice it's another it's another yell it's something like that and so that is that is um it's really tricky I mean, it's like it's way trickier than it sounds. Oh, t- especially, uh, especially I think in a college market like it, yes. we're, we're in College Station right now, right? Yep. It's it, that's hard to do on a Tuesday night in College Station where there's not the big population. Oxford, yeah. Auburn. I mean, some of the co- yeah. the true college towns, Tuscaloosa to some extent. You're, you're gonna feed, especially when you have a, a major city that's like an hour, hour and a half away like we do with Houston. Mm-hmm. So we have tons of ticket holders and, and, and we want them to keep buying tickets. But that's, they're not coming so you on can't go night. that direction. You can't be like, hey, instead of buying a season ticket, do this. That's not the answer. Right. The answer is how do we how do we get those seats to the, the right people? So you need you have supply and demand. I mean you need you need you need people over here that aren't gonna buy, like they can't buy or won't buy to we got to connect them with the people who can't come and and are willing to give it, it's interesting too like is there i mean we we had a an episode that we did with chris giles do you know do you know chris i don't he was the former coo of the oakland athletics okay and he's got a company now where they're create they created a platform for basically to do away with season tickets and go more towards the overall membership model uh-huh. uh and that's just because that's impossible it's really hard to do in Ticketmaster right. to log that and all that so uh, that's one model, just doing away with season tickets and going more towards a membership yep. where if you have a membership and you're just selling, you're, you're giving tickets based on 24 hours in advance, you're giving seat location. Yep. Now you can way oversell knowing that a certain amount, a percentage of fans will not come. And that way it allows you to fill because you're oversold. But again, not necessarily a solution for, for here, right? But then- Yeah, they, it's tricky. It's tricky. By sport, it's yeah. tricky. And then to me, it's like somebody should almost come up with a a tool that allows. I, I think about for like a Green Bay Packers game, yep. right? Most season ticket holders went in on those season tickets with three other families, yes, right. And so, is there an app that lets you crowd purchase together a seat? I don't know. No, there's uh, there there is there's got to be something like that on the horizon. I mean, the the, the trick too of is that like the next generation of season ticket holders won't look anything like what the season ticket holders look like today. Like, you know what I mean? hundred like, percent. Nothing like it. We, yep. no one, no one in this, in this rising generation is, is used to committing to something that's that long. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. I'm not going to, I, I want the ticket cause I know it's going to give me access, but I'm not going to commit to going all the games. So right. What do you and do I'll, they'd probably find more creative ways to get just that ticket for just that game. Right. You know what I mean? So there's, there, there is this shift that's going to happen eventually that's similar to the A's model. Yes. Like maybe not all the way that but way. But a hybrid of sorts. Yes. Yeah. We're doing something this year with football with a gigum pass where. It's okay. A, yeah. It's Tell like me more. A, Tell it's me more. like a flexible ticket. So okay. it's not a flex pack. It's it's a, hey, you can you can pick three games and you're doing it like, you know, uh, the week of the game and you don't know where you're going to sit. But, you know. Do you guys have a web page for that? Yeah, it's on. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll yeah, link to it in the show notes yeah. so that way people can check it out. And it's their first time doing it. I think if this is the first, this should be the first year. Okay. And and I mean they, I mean they're selling like crazy, and they're selling to that young alumni group. I mean it's it's less expensive, and it gives them what they want. That's flexibility and control. So like they can pick, and they don't have to commit 
months in advance right. to something they can kind of pick on the on the fly. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. You All mentioned right. the younger group buying into that. I know data is something that's super important to you yep. personally, always has been. Uh, and certainly it's important to Texas A&M success now and yeah. going forward in the future. From that perspective, I mean, what do you feel like you guys are doing right from a data perspective here at Texas A&M? And where do you feel like there are still some gaps that you guys can improve? Well, I'll say the funny thing about data is that if you ever wake up and you think we don't really have anything to improve, then something's wrong. Something's <laughs> very, very wrong. Because there's the amount, the volume of data that exists for any of us to just go get, like literally, I mean, it is, it's, it's paralyzing really. I mean, it, sure. it could be, it can be absolutely paralyzing to, to just see this mountain of, of, of data and, and to get, you know, really giddy about wanting to do something with it, but there's so much of it, you just can't even decide what to do first. Um, and so there will always be something, there will always be things that are gaps. Um, I mean, I think I think what we're trying to do here is just really understand, like truly understand the the customer and truly understand the different segments of our fan base and why they do certain things, when they do certain things. One thing that we're 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 doing focus groups and a couple of um, uh, and it's not necessarily raw data, but I mean it's it's in that it's in that mm -hmm. that side. We will probably end up testing our findings in some sort of quantitative study, but to really understand, for example. What, why aren't students coming to basketball games here? Okay. Cause that we like this stadium right here, we're going to put almost 40,000 students in there and they will, they will come early and they will stay the whole game. It is, it is a sight to behold. I'm not joking. It's one of the coolest things you've ever seen. That's wild. And on top of that, we'll do tens of thousands on Friday night at midnight before the game in there to practice yelling, which is like for a, an atmosphere junkie like me is like Mecca. Yeah. But the the but but so we have we have uh, someone here when they buy student sports pass it's basically like a student sports season ticket um, heavy football right I mean they're obviously buying it for football but we may sell upwards of high thirty thousands and um, that sports pass gets them to every basketball game they want to go to every baseball game they want to go to basketball's right over there it's on campus I mean this, it's not like you're sitting upper deck of your student but I mean we're we can't get students there right. And so That's what is happening stinks. culturally, like, because, because the, the 12th man goes back to that, like the 12th man is something that is, that is our brand. I mean, it is not just football. It is across all sports, but like what, what is happening in the students, um, like in their, in their mind and how is it getting so disconnected between, I can get 38, 40,000 at Kyle. And even on a Friday night before a football game, yeah, I can't get, I can't even get a thousand at a, at a big basketball game. Like at a, at a big basketball game where where a thousand people can make a monumental atmosphere change, right? Two or three thousand can take the roof off of an arena for, for our arena of students because they're just so loud. But like something's happening. Like they're not, it's not translating. And yeah. so we'll, we'll do focus groups and we'll test it again with quant. But like it all goes back to understanding who our audiences are and making sure that what we're... What we're reaching them with resonates, like our messages resonate. Like it it makes them change their behavior. It makes them come to basketball. It makes them come to softball and 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 you know, women's basketball and um uh, baseball, all of the different yeah. sports, because it's not translating. And we have the volume. Like schools would right. kill 100%. for 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 a student group of thirty eight thousand that already has tickets. 
they, price isn't a barrier anymore because they already bought it yeah. and they're not coming. So there's, you know, little things like that. But one of the things that we're, yeah, that's one of the big things we're after right now is understanding who these audiences are, what makes them tick. If you had yeah, a hunch, what would, what would the top two things come back on that as? There's no FOMO. No FOMO. There's no FOMO. There's no, the thing about Kyle and it, and it, it's, it's like massive FOMO factor, massive FOMO it. factor. And, and hundred percent. Yeah. And, and there's so many people, it's like, you're, you're in the minority if you don't go, whereas when you flip the size of the venue, mm -hmm. you're in the minority if you go. So I think that that's, that's happening, even though it's, that's super, you can't, it's so impossible to test that quantitatively. You can do it in focus groups, but like, because people don't like admitting that. Like that's not something that you want to tell somebody. Yeah, I, I only go to football because I want other people to see me there. Because of my other friends. Are going. So we tried a at, at DePaul. We tried a. This was part of our test and learn agenda. All right, I love uh, test and learn. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we tried an experiment where you know when you think about like Red Bull ambassadors or yeah. Victoria's Secret ambassadors that are on campus. Yeah. We took the same concept where we identified kids at different ages that were like influencers, if yep. you will. And we hired them. So we ran it all through engagement and we basically, you know, trained them up on social media yeah. and like how to do some different things. And we, we gave them access to like party buses and we were like every game, we want you guys to be organizing a party bus and like hosting parties. I don't care if you watch the game, just come to the game with right. the other cool kids That's right. and create some FOMO. And I mean, the, I think the challenge for us on that was one, their, their campus is very far separated from the stadium. I mean, ah. it's a almost a 25 minute bus ride. Oh, wow. Right. And, and so, or you're on the L taking yeah. it in Chicago and, and then the other challenge on it was just like some of the kids just weren't good and some of them just didn't care. And they, they were the cool kids, but they themselves they didn't really care. Yeah, yeah. And so you're like, well, crap, like what, what do we do there? So it's, it's a, it's a really challenging thing. I, I really applaud like some of the schools, some of the smaller schools, like a grand Canyon yeah. that have really created crazy atmospheres at basketball that are contradictory to what you think would be the case. But I think it all comes down to you're, you're right. I think For these it kids, is. it's FOMO. How do we yeah. create FOMO so that they're not missing out on it's a hard thing to start, but it is, it is. And and some of it, you got to be good and all stuff. And then, and then you have to, I still believe and will believe for a long time until something proves me wrong is that a lot of it too, is just feeling connected to the program. And like, it's yeah. hard with basketball. There's a lot of transition. I mean, there's a lot of turnover in rosters right now. It's hard to, it's hard to, whereas in football, I feel like you, you, you kind of, even as, even when someone is like a, a commit, you know, and they're a senior in high school and they're committed, you just, there's so much more exposure to like that person and that person. And then, then you see him as a freshman you may see him again yeah. too. And you almost kind of like watch them grow up. So there's this weird kind of connection to it, but in basketball, it doesn't feel that way. It never feels that way. It feels like it's, it's almost like the, the remnants of the one and done type mentality. It's still kind of there. It's still kind of there, even though it's not, it's not even fair that it's still there. But I think that just turnover on roster is just tricky. Plays a role. Yeah. Well, let's get to know you a little bit more. All right. Uh, I think if people have made it this far in the episode, they're like, man, Michael thinks oh, yeah. about things. In a kudos little, to them. Well, yeah, kudos to them. Uh, but I, I think they probably think, hey, Michael thinks a little bit differently. So let's find out a little bit more about right. kind of what makes you tick. Um, let's talk about books. Okay. Three books that you've given the most uh, as, a, as a leader and that you've given out to friends to say, hey, Think you should really read this. You're going to get some new ideas. You know it. They um, it. 
it changes from time to time. He's think, Michael's looking at his yeah, bookshelf, by the way, in case like, you can't hear him uh, from not talking into the mic. Yeah. <laughs> so Pappy Land, and this is Pappy Land is uh, my cousin is Wright Thompson, and Wright and I are close. And um, this uh, this book is is I love bourbon, um, but this is a, a great book, and it's easy to get. I never feel bad going to Amazon and buying copies because I, you know, yeah. feel like it's going to somebody. That I don't know. Of course. Kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is a great book. Um, Pappy love Land. it. Happy land. Yeah. We'll link to it in the show notes. It's a great, great book. Um, one of the other ones, and a guy, I'm trying to remember, um, um, a guy that I met, uh, probably three years ago, um, uh, uh told me about this book called Endurance mm-hmm. and it's about an Antarctic, an Antarctica expedition. Mm. Um, um, I believe it was in the twenties. Yep. Maybe. I know exactly what you're talking about. Gosh. I mean, just when you think you're having a bad day, you, you, this, the, <laughs> These people went through more. It is, it's incredible. So like when you, when I read that book, I just remember thinking there is nothing like nothing that will happen in my life that will be certainly not phys- as physically grueling, but probably not even as mentally like grueling as that was. And just seeing how um, he led through that, the captain led through that. And like, it was, it's, it's an awesome book on leadership, even though it's not really a book on leadership, but, but it kind of is. We'll, we'll look up, uh, I'll link to it in the show notes. So there's one that I read that that was the first chap or the first part it was broken up into five parts. It was uh-huh. like leadership in crisis. And so it yeah. took his story and then pulled out all the leadership lessons from it. Yeah. I'm, I'm blanking on his name, uh, but we'll, we'll link to it in the show. There notes is a, yeah. Cause someone wrote a companion, someone wrote a book afterwards. That's the leadership lessons of perfect. Of the, yeah. So yeah. But I, and I haven't read that one, but cause there's enough leadership lessons just in oh, reading gosh. the book and it's a page turner. Like it's yeah. amazing. Um, and I, the third one I just read, um, and I thought that I, I, I didn't mean to read it for a long time, but it, it, it um, and it may not have the same effect on, on, on other people as it did on me, but it's called Dispatches from Pluto. Hmm. And um, it is about a, um, a British uh, guy who was in London and then in New York, a writer, travel writer. And um, he and his girl, he has this wild idea to buy a house in the Mississippi Delta. Like, I mean, in the middle of nowhere, like nowhere. Okay. And, um, and a move there. And it is, it is a funny, it is, it, but it is an, uh, it is an unbelievable read about um, the culture of the South um, and about race. Mm. And it is the, it is the, it just read, it was like one of the most fascinating books about, it's not even about race, but it's, but it's about relationships and it's just about human beings and contact wow. and culture it is, it is so good. It's so good. Ross gave it to me. And then I, I, I read it at the, I read it at the beach, uh, recently, but like a lot of people I know have already read it, but it had a, it had a profound effect on me just in terms of thinking about race and, and, and the South. And so I just, it was a great, it was just a great read. Funny too. It's a, it's a good balance for, especially for those of us that tend to be more numbers focused and yes. quantitative and data and it, when you start to realize, Hey, look, at the end of the day, there's, it's people on the other end of this, right? Like, yes. It's not just numbers. So. Yeah. And then anything by C.S. Lewis. I just love C.S. Oh, obviously. Like, yeah. Just All in there too. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about maybe, you know, again, I think if you're listening to this show, you're like, Oh man, Michael's had so many successes in his career, but let's maybe talk about a, a failure that you feel like set you up for a future success in your career. Uh, I think the, the biggest one is, 
I'm only in this business because of a job I didn't get. Really? Yeah. So, and I, I talk to people a lot about it, uh, especially, you know, when they don't get a job. Cause I, I grew up, I grew up in a, in a, in a home that my dad, my dad had an ad agency, like a, like, just like you'd see of Mad Men, but in the seventies, eighties, mm -hmm. you know, that type of just, just, uh, ad agency fun. And I mean, as a kid, you go, you go see where dad works, you go to dad's office, you know, and something you got to, he's going to go work on a Saturday or something. I'm going to go down there. But I mean, it was just a, it was always to me like a, like a playground because back then there were no computers. It's crazy enough. But so how do they make ads? We did it with like, they had like these, these work rooms, art rooms with, I mean, I'm not joking, thousands, thousands of different colors of markers. And that's how they drew it. a storyboard, like commercials or all this stuff. So it was for a kid. It was just amazing. You grew up doing that. And so I thought I wanted to go in advertising forever. I, I did not want to go work for my dad, though. I knew that. I wanted to go in ad agency, but I didn't want to work for him. Yep. Um, and I love my dad, but it's just like I'm the oldest of three. Like, we just butt heads sometimes. Uh, but anyway, I, I go um, I go to um, uh, I moved to Atlanta after graduating from college. And um, I interviewed for um, this job, this entry-level job at an ad agency, one of the biggest agencies in the world, BBDO. And um, the, at the time, they had the Singular account. I don't know if you remember Singular. Oh, yeah. Okay, it was a little orange thing. Uh -huh. so eventually, AT&T um, acquired them or renamed them. I had or Singular at one point. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. So it, to me, that was like the ultimate, like, I, you know, I, I want this job so bad. I interviewed like three times, and it came down to me and, some other, me and one other person, and, um, and I didn't get it. I was devastated. And, and I was trying to kind of lick my wings, figure out what I was going to go into next, you know, like what interview I wanted to go for. And um, I was waiting tables at a Mexican restaurant in Atlanta, and my roommate uh, was like, hey, there's, this, there's one of our friends from Virginia – they, uh, she's at a sports marketing agency and, and over there in, in Buckhead. And, um, I think that, you know, they're probably looking for some interns and I was like, well, I don't know much about sports. My, I love sports. And obviously I, I, I think I'm, I want to go into marketing. And so I, I get, uh, I, I get, a, a call her, um, and go out there and, and, you know, interview for this internship, non-paying and all this stuff and, and got it. And, you know, I got so lucky because that, that company, they had a bunch of pitches out. I mean, they had a bunch of new business pitches out. One was UPS. One was the Weather Channel. One was Cadillac. I mean, and they got, they hit all of them. And so they needed I'm, bodies quick. They needed bodies fast. Yeah. You know, you think about the agency business, like you need oh, yeah. bodies like yesterday because oh, yeah. you're trying to build hours. So I mean, they hired me after about six weeks, and and I mean, I was 22 years old. I mean, I was flying around the country with a client by myself. Like going, I mean, I was, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I just was trying to just figure it out as we go, but I got exposed so quickly to so many different things. And I remember asking, I remember asking in the interview at the, the job I really wanted, I remember saying, you know, about when do you think I'd be able to, you know, interact with the client and all that stuff. And I go, I mean, probably after a couple of years, you know, like you'd be, you're they were like, you're going to be doing making copies and getting coffee. Yeah. You know, and, and I was fine with that. Totally fine with that. But this months later, you know, by, by fluke, I'm, you know, plotting out travel schedules uh, for six major markets in the country and bringing a, a, along a client from the weather channel. And we're just, you know, just figuring it out as we go. Like that, that experience was, I mean, you could never, you can't cram all that in, 
I mean, unless it's just luck. You know what I mean? I never would have gotten that experience. I probably would have never been in sports had I not gotten that first job. And so, so biggest learnings from that, that. That, I mean, getting, getting told no or getting denied or failing to get a job. Uh I mean, it's, it could be the greatest thing that ever happens to you because it it truly, I mean, changed my life forever. I I think that sometimes like, especially, I know this is my generation, right? Like I'm 31 now, about about to be 32, September 4th birthday. Send me all the, send me all the birthday gifts. Don't, don't send me wishes. Send me gifts. Um, but, uh, Venmo, what's your Venmo? Yeah. Right. I'll, I'll link to my Venmo, my Venmo cash app notes, in, the, right. uh, in the show notes. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, I think, I think for a lot of leaders in my role at my age in college athletic departments, in pro sports teams, I mean, it does feel like every decision is like the end of the world. Like, it's and not. it's not, there's always it's something not. else that's going to come afterwards. And, I think there's so much mental health and anxiety issues in sports and entertainment right now in the back of house and in the, in the front offices. And it's just like, guys, it's not that serious. We, at the end of the day, like we're making memories. We're making, we're, we're trying to make people happy. We're putting on sporting events. Like it's not, it's not Gosh, the end of the world. You, you're going to think I just planned this. If you ask the billboard question, you're going to think that I, I switched. I didn't. I well, let's, let's hit it. Let's hit the right. billboard question. Let's, we'll start to wrap us up. If you could put, well, actually before we hit the billboard right. question, I got to ask, all right, hundred dollar investment of a hundred dollars or less that over the last, I don't know, two years has really kind of changed the game for you. I mean, I, this is gonna sound so dumb, but I got I got I don't know what made me want to do this, but I went and just ordered on Amazon a dartboard. Like okay. a real dartboard, like a not not one of the plastic, like a real one. Yeah. And it came with some darts. And I'm telling you, and we and my, I got out there with my nine-year-old son and we we mounted it and we measured it down to the exact thing where it should be and where to stand. I mean, we, I did this probably six weeks ago and we have thrown darts, just me and my nine year old have thrown darts like every other night. It has been awesome. That's like, so and, cool. And neither is any good, but we have loved, it's been, it's been something fun for us to do. It was not expensive and we do it at home. I mean, you can kind of come in and we can, you know, pause the game and go eat dinner. I mean, so I, I, I love the dartboard. It's, that's been fun. It's, and it's, and it's not Fortnite. No, it's, it's not Fortnite. It's, it's yeah, actually yeah. yeah, he gets that. enough of that. He gets <laughs> enough of that. But this has been fun, something that he and I can do, and we don't have to really – and anybody can do, honestly. And hopefully part of me in the back of my mind is like, dude, this guy gets to college and goes to the bar. If they still have dartboards then, he's going to dominate. Like, Ted, he's going to dominate. Ted, do you watch awesome. Ted Lasso? Yeah, yes. I, I've, seen, so, I've seen almost the end of the first season, so don't, don't say – I'm not done with the first season. Have yet. you seen the dartboard scene? No. All right. Well, you will enjoy the oh, dartboard yes. scene. That comes oh, up now I'm this. really looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, so dartboard would be it. All right. So one more before we get to the billboard. Right. Uh, unusual habit that you love. Um, or practice. Intermittent fasting. Yeah. Yeah. We already, I mean, we already nerded out on this. Yeah, but keep going. <laughs> you know, um, I like I it's like I was telling you earlier, I um I can stay up probably later than I should. Uh, my wife's a, a night person and I'm a morning person, but you know, it just is. And plus you, we have three kids under the age of 12. So you just, yeah. it happens. You don't really get to do anything until they go to bed. So, um, uh, but intermittent fasting has helped like me, like with, with just structure of when I eat, you know, and I, and I'm a food, like I love food. Like I love cooking. I love smoking. I love grilling. I love, I love food. I just love, I love the whole experience of food. My whole family, everyone on my, everyone on my dad's side of the family, just food. Right, Thompson? Food. I mean, like, Perfect. I mean, like, he's got a show on SC Network, True South. It's just food. I mean, basically. Awesome. So, like, our whole family is food. So, like, when you have, when you have a love affair with food like that, 
you if you if you don't if you don't put in some guardrails, then I mean you can be dangerously unhealthy. Yeah. Like and and I and I can be. Um, but intermittent fasting helps me just with the structure of when. It's like so, if I just and when I on my app on the fast app, um, I mean a zero app, which is for fasting. I mean like as soon as I hit start fast, something in my brain is like okay, I can't eat anymore, and like and I can't tell you. I don't know that I've ever broken it. If I've if I've hit start fast, really. If I've hit start fast, now there's times yeah. when I've like haven't started it, but then it'd be like nine o'clock, ten o'clock, and I'd be hungry, and I had looking at it, it's like I forgot to start. So maybe I'll like I'll, yeah. you know. But once I started, there's something about it is like I'm like it's like gamified for me. It, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm like I'm not I'm not breaking it at this point. So that's that's been that's been awesome. It helps. It just helps me with energy. It helps me with. Uh, it helps me really enjoy the food I eat too. Yeah. You know what I mean? And oh, 100%. Because you, you, know I mean? you know you got that time to eat. I know. It's like, so it's a good, I like it. I, like it I mean, to me, intermittent fasting is a bigger symbol for like how I, how I personally am. Like if I don't have a system and process in place, Nailed like I, w- I will Nailed go it. to the extreme on Nailed whatever it is. Like yeah. I will make brownies at 11 and I will eat most of the tray yeah. at 11 PM. Yeah. Unless I've crossed that threshold. And if I'm out of my, if I'm out of my eating window, yeah. as much as I want it, I've got to tell my body, Hey, no, I've set up a rule and structure that we don't do that. Um, yeah. My, you, my friends would tell you, people who know me really well would tell you that I, I have a personality that like, I, I don't do things really halfway. Yeah. And so even if it's a bad thing, I go full bore. Like, you know what I mean? So like food's one yep. of those. I mean, like it's, it's, it, so I need to have, I need to have guardrails and you said it best. There's processes in place that help, that just help my brain, you know, yeah. live inside totally. of it and understand it and understand my relationship to it. I'm making a tie back to business cause I'm annoying and I do that, but I, I, love it. I think, I think the same thing culturally and internally, a lot of times we're running so fast in this business that we aren't super intentional with the systems and processes that we put in place. Yeah. And we, we just kind of, we get in the cycle of just doing it, doing it. And there aren't clear articulated processes as to why we do it or structures to it. Yep. And I think, I mean, that's where we spend a lot of time is just like on the boring stuff that nobody else wants to work on of like, okay, how do you set the process? This is the behavior that you want. Right. What are the processes that are going to reinforce that behavior? If you don't want to eat late, what are the processes yep. that you want? If you want someone to be nice, like how are you supporting that with systems and processes? It's fascinating um, me. That's stuff anyway. fascinates me. All right, let, let's wrap this. I love it. You got a billboard. It can say anything. Every leader in sports and entertainment is going to see it. What are you putting on that billboard? I mean, this is so, it's, to me, it's so easy. I mean, and, and it is, I, I hope that people around me would say, yeah, okay, that's exactly what it would say is have fun. Like there is, I mean, there's so many times where I can just see the fun has been sucked out of, of this business. Like, and it shouldn't be none of, I mean, at least not, no one on the external side. And there's plenty of really important and, and dangerous things about mental health and our student athlete well-being, all that. That, that. I'm not, I'm not downplaying that at all, but for, for me and on the external side, there's nothing that we do. We don't have someone on the table that we're operating on. We don't have anything like that. Like we are, we are in sports and not only are we in sports, we're in sports on a college campus. There's something really cool. When I when I left the private sector to go to um, uh, college athletics, the one thing I had no idea that that I would even care about or even notice was the energy that you get on a campus, on a college campus. There's just having all of these 18 to 20 something year olds that have that think that their life is like 
you know, nearing its end or they think that they know everything in life, like knowing that they have everything ahead of them. And there's just so much, there's just so much energy. There's just this vibe, there's energy. And like, if you're working in this, we should be feeding off of that and, and, and part of that, you know, as opposed to everything being so serious and so dire and so like, gosh, yeah. this is fun, man. Like this is supposed to be so damn fun. And like, if you're having fun doing it, then it doesn't feel like work. Like it really doesn't. And so it's a, it, we gotta have fun. And it's, it starts all the way to the top and it goes all the way to the bottom. But like, we ought to be having a blast. Like this is fun. And, and there's, there's totally a way to have joy and be fun and still hit deadlines yes. and still hold people accountable. Like there's, there's a way to balance both. Absolutely. At, at the end of the day, right. Everything that we do, the bigger purpose is to create memories, to, That's exactly right. to make people smile, to entertain them with sports and entertainment. Right. That's exactly right. Uh, and so, and, and for student athletes, right. Help them grow on to bigger, some, something bigger yeah. and better, have impact in the world, but. And help them have fun yeah. too. Exactly. Like it's a thing. I exactly. mean, like you look at all the different successful teams out there and championships team, there was a lot of fun being had. Like there was yeah. a lot of playing loose. I mean, like some, all of that kind of factors in and the same thing can happen here. If, 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 if we get as administrators, if we get tight, Mm-hmm. We're not playing loose. We're not going to be innovative. We're certainly not going to take any risks and we're not going to take calculated ones at that. And when we do fail, it's, it's going to feel like it's going to feel like something that's far worse than it really is. 100%. You know, it's just another, it's just another learning, you know, yep. that you can get up from and figure out, Hey, why did we fail? It's not, it's not do it that way again, because that probably leads to another failure, but you know, but being loose about it and being able to recognize it as that, I think is so important. Awesome billboard. Uh, have fun. Period. Well, Michael, where can people reach you, follow along your journey, uh, and and see some of the things that you're working on? Oh gosh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, are, you, know, are you on Twitter? I'm I mean, on Twitter, LinkedIn. I, like, give me, give me yeah, some I'm on LinkedIn. Handles, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. I, I just, I don't, I'm not really active in either. I mean, honestly, I just, I'm on Instagram, but I don't. <laughs> You know, all right. The two people that were going to follow you on Twitter from this episode. Yeah. Are no I mean, yeah, exactly. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. I, just, I haven't tweeted a lot. I've really been kind of dis, dis, disenchanted, I guess, with, with Twitter. Right. Twitter has just become it's a tough place. Twitter's a tough crowd, isn't it? I mean, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> it's like a it's like a toxic. There's a toxicity of Twitter that's it's just sometimes like, man, everybody, you got to take it easy and have about, fun. Be you careful know? about your inputs, right? Be intentional exactly right. about the content that you put in. Exactly right. There's not a lot of having fun on Twitter, I will say that. Yeah. So depends on the circle. Depends on, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, yeah, yeah. It's not the purest kind of fun. But no, yeah, Twitter, I, Twitter, LinkedIn. I'm on, I'm on all of the, the major platforms, you know. Cool. Yeah. Michael, Michael is basically, uh, he's, a, he's a recluse. You can't find him. Yeah, anywhere, no, you can so. find me. All right. Sounds good. Well, we'll link to some of those uh, handles in the show notes, but Michael has been awesome sitting across 10 feet across the room from you shouting at you. Uh, It's been a a good time. I'm really looking forward to the hundredth year of 12th man and seeing everything that you guys put out this year. We got training tomorrow. I'm excited for get everybody in the room and fire them up and I think it's going to be a great year for you guys. And I'm just excited that you yeah. get to fill the stadium and have all the fans back. So. We're, we're fired up too. We're proud of you. Thanks for coming. Sounds good. Thanks, Michael. Yep. Today's episode is brought to you by Checked In, a new tool in your operations toolkit that helps you understand exactly who's working in your venue. It's one of the tech products the engagement team helped create during the pandemic. And with it, we set out to solve some of the key problems sports and entertainment operators face every day. 
the tool does a few things, from helping you gain more labor data to operate more efficiently and mitigate risk. And it also saves you time and headaches by automating the horrible check-in and credential approval process that has existed for so long. But my favorite part of Checked In, hands down, is that it's tied to a digital learning platform. Now, historically, training game day staff has taken place before the beginning of a season. But how do you train the workers that start mid-season or the workers that just come in to work the big games, the big events? Well, this tool solves that issue. With Checked In, you can create and push training to your teammates digitally, and you can require employees to watch training videos before they're able to physically check in to work. Checked In has begun rolling out at some of the biggest stadiums in the country. If you want to see how it works and get a demo, head to checkedin.app. That's C-H-E-C-K-D-I-N.app. We'll make it easy and link to it in the show notes. Hey guys, before you head out, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, we're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer-centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, visit engagementpartners.com to learn more. Download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us if you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives. Our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more revenue. So when you're with us, hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.